This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, FA, recorded on Saturday, July 16, 2022. I'm a food addict from Florida, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. I am really thankful to do this today and um, to be of service. That is a part of my story. Um, From the beginning, what it was like for me was a life of a lot of self-centeredness at the core of who I am. So in my qualification, my story begins around six years old where my addiction begins to show up in my life. I was a latchkey kid. And during that time frame. I used to get home early from school and it was my opportunity to explore our kitchen where I would raid the pantry, raid the fridge, raid the freezer. And everything that I'm describing today in my story only progressed as I got older. And as I know now that addiction is is progressive. So some of the things I did where I would go in the kitchen was I would eat something and when I finished it I would try to hide the evidence of what I ate so I may take the wrappers and pull all the trash out of our trash can and put my wrappers at the very bottom to try to hide it and put all the trash back on top well if the trash can was empty I would take the trash literally outside and put it in the large trash can which this garbage man would pick up and that was just the beginning and at six years old, it might seem harmless, but that shows me that inside of me I already had this mindset of stealing. Because many of the things I was eating, I never asked for, but I wanted it and I went after it. The next thing that showed up for me was this love for sugar products. I would put sugar on everything and There was no such thing as something being too sweet. And because of that, uh, a consequence that I had was many cavities at, at a very young age. But that was just the beginning of my love for sugar. I became a binge eater by the time I was eight years old. And the binge eating progressed so viciously over a short period of time that I would eat and eat and eat until the point I would make myself throw up. And what's fascinating about that part of my life is that I don't even remember the eating until I threw up until a family member reminded me of how often I used to do it. I didn't understand how to stop eating. There was there was no boundaries. Like if it was food there, I was going to find a way to, to put it down. Now, I will say that particular behavior of mine did stop. 
Not that I stopped eating until the point where I wanted to throw up, but I learned my threshold. So I would eat and eat and eat until the food was literally at my throat, it felt, it felt like. Um, so those first few years of eating from six to eight years old, it was all fun. It was exciting, you know, to eat like that and, you know, to see how much food I can put down and put sugar on everything. All that was fun and exciting. But then there was a shift in my life where I went from eating from fun to I became an emotional eater and depended upon food to get through life. So a couple things happened. The first thing that occurred was my mom and I moved into our own place. Up until this point, we were living with other people. Well, when we moved into our own place, I realized how much of a, I realized the disconnect that I had with my mother. Um, living in a single parent home. We just weren't connected. And in that lack of connection between us, I realized how lonely I was. So I use food to deal with my loneliness on a daily basis. I would sit and watch the clock all day long and think about when I wanna have my next meal. And just like, okay, I ate an hour ago. Maybe I can eat in another hour, or maybe I should eat in the next 20 minutes. And I'll just sit and perseverate on that thought all day long. And in a, in a working day, you know, it was, we moved in in our new place over the summer. So while my mom was working, I would probably eat four, five times minimum every single day before she would get home. And my mom would come home and she would go in her room and check out. And, you know, she was dealing with her own battles. And because of that, she wasn't emotionally available for me in the way that I needed. And being unable to articulate that I needed her emotionally, I didn't get the support that I needed. So I can see now, you know, my part in things. And then the other thing that occurred was my grandmother passed away. When my grandmother passed away, it was a difficult experience for me because I had to walk through that process alone. Not being able to express that I'm hurting and I'm grieving. So I just used food to scuff down all the feelings that I was encountering in my life. Now, that progressed and it got really challenging for me in middle school because going through middle school, growing up in a large metropolitan city in the South, it was really hard. Um, trying to have my own sense of identity as a young black male and not knowing which route to take or, you know, if I want to be a good person, I want to be, you know, I want to be with the in crowd. So I struggled along the way, fighting this, this constant battle of good or follow the crowd. And in that process, I used food when I couldn't come to a moral compass of what to do. You know, and I, I eventually grew out of that. Going into high school, um, I got introduced to a higher power, which helped me in many areas of my life because high school was tough. High school was tough. Um, my mom just seemed to just turn our place into a, it's like a free for all. We had many people living with us in our small home and it was challenging because we had people that was on drugs living with us. She was in a difficult relationship and I just wanted to escape. And
food helped me some, but once I came off that food cloud, I was back to my reality every single time. So I found other ways to escape as well by getting out the house as much as possible was my, my next go-to. So I got myself involved with sports year round. Um, I got involved in my church. So I would stay at church twice, twice a week. So anytime that I get out of the house, I could. I would leave school and when it wasn't when I wasn't playing sports and go spend my afternoons in the library studying and just whatever I could do to spend as minimal time as possible at home. And um, it wasn't that my household was bad. It's just I didn't like the atmosphere. I just didn't feel at peace because it was too many people there and they all had their own afflictions that they were dealing with. Um, I also developed high blood pressure in high school. So like I said, it didn't take very long for the disease to present itself on a physical perspective on my, in my life. I started high school at 240 pounds and I graduated at 285 pounds. Now playing sports in the fall and the spring, and yet I still gained 45 pounds. I didn't gain much height, but I did go out. I did stretch out. It didn't stop there. Things just kept getting worse. In high, in high school, I also developed this tendency of spending every dollar I had on food. So over the matriculation of my life, I've gone from sneaking and stealing food to loving sweet products to being a binge eater to eating out of, in an uncontroll, uncontrollable way to becoming an emotional eater to spending all my money on food. So, you know, you're talking about by the time I was 16, 17 years old, this disease had literally destroyed my life in a very quiet and devastating way. Well, I went on to college and it didn't take long for me to see 300 pounds. And I remember the day I got, I found out that I had, um, that I reached 300 pounds. It was Labor Day of my freshman year of college in 2006. And my first response was I went back to my room and being over dramatic, I bust in the room, talk to my roommate, like, I'm going to make changes to my life. I can't believe I'm 300 pounds. And what did I do? That same night, I went to our school cafeteria and ate like there was no tomorrow. Because that's the only thing I knew what to do anytime life happened, was to use food. Food guided me in every facet of how I live. And it ultimately ended up becoming God in my life. Not that I worship food, but my actions, how I depended on food. I use food as a higher power. So it took me three years or so in college to figure out what I want to do. I went from one major to the next to the next because I just couldn't figure out, I couldn't make a decision. So I ultimately, you know, ended up majoring in health and physical education. And it's important for me to say that because I majored in health and physical education and I was over 300 pounds. So here I am wanting to go into a profession where the very core of our objective is to promote healthy lifetime fitness. And I was a walking controversy of that very message. 
And, you know, I finished school, I, you know, because I did the work, even though I didn't look like what, you know, what they wanted or I lived the lifestyle that, you know, those professionals live. I still finished the coursework. And in that, my fear, doubts and insecurities came out. So I was even afraid to apply for jobs. I mean, like here, I graduated in 2011. The application process is all on, online at this point. No one's received me walking in until it's the interview time, but I was afraid to apply for jobs because I knew I didn't look like what the what I perceive a PE teacher should look like. So I went back to graduate school and during graduate school, I began to get all, I began to develop this self-awareness of myself. And this is what happened for me. So while in graduate school, I had two roommates, um, both were close friends of mine. So I was sitting at home eating dinner one day. And a few minutes later, my roommate came in, my first roommate, and he fixed dinner. So I decided I was going to eat again with him. And I had a second dinner. So we laughed, we joked and called up on the day. And then a few minutes later, the second roommate came home. So naturally, it's dinner time. He fixed dinner. Well, I proceeded to go fix a third dinner. And the first roommate says, I just watched you eat twice. You don't need to eat again. And we had that kind of relationship. And I appreciate him saying that because here is where the awareness starts for me. Once you're aware of something, that's when the challenge begins. So I put the food back and I felt really ashamed. And I went in my room and I prayed. Like I said, I got introduced to a higher power in, in high school. Well, from that prayer with my higher power, I decided to go see a school therapist. Seeing the school therapist, she helped me to realize that the way I was eating, I was killing myself slowly. Now, it was really dramatic when I went. I mean, I was on the floor in tears, sobbing. So I'm not a quitter. That's, not, that's never been the person who I am. All the things I've overcome in my life, I'm not a quitter. So it's like I began to try all these different things to overcome this obesity, being overweight. That's how I looked. I didn't look at me having, I still didn't put it in the right perspective of, I have an addiction. I looked at, I have a weight problem. So I began to diet. One thing after another, failed to tell over and over and over. And everything I seemed to try, I always end up right back where I started. On my face, on the ground, defeated. And over time, I began to become despondent. I wanted to give up. I began to have these thoughts of negativity that began that became so loud that I could not quiet them. Those thoughts went from you can't do this to you know what? Maybe you should just die. And I would sometimes entertain this movie in my head to see like, you know, you know, I've lived long enough. This might not actually be a bad thing if I just died. 
because I could not defeat this obesity as I was looking at it. And it became really difficult for me. So all those behaviors that I described through my childhood up into high school, at this point, they are at the pivotal peak. So sneaking eating. I had a I was working three jobs while in grad school. And one of my jobs was a, a grad assistant. And every time my office would have events, we would all have always have, you know, snacks and stuff like that that we would give up. Um any participants that come. Well, anything left over, we would take back to the office. And I would go back and forth from my kitchen, sneaking and eating all the leftovers from the events that we had. And naturally, many times it was sugar products. So there's my love for sugar. So eating all of those items on a regular basis. You talk about the binge eating. On any given day, I was eating all day long. And then I would always take time once or twice a week to go somewhere where I could eat all I could at one of my go-to fast food restaurants. Spending money on food. Well, in one month, I spent 40 transactions on food in a vending machine. Like I would go back and forth and I could track it because in order to put money on my school card, I would have to use a debit card. And I literally looked at my bank statement. I had 40 transactions. I counted it to see. So I was in a really dark place at this time in my life. And um, I just had given up. I got to the point, I said, you know what? I might as well eat and be happy. But the very thing that I was trying to do to make me feel happy was also killing me. And it was also pulling me into a deeper and darker place over and over and over again. So I just began to live life as I, as I was thinking to myself, I'm just going to live my life. And, you know, I tried to get more involved in community service. I tried to be more helpful. I tried to like publicize this positive life all over social media. And I, was, I wasn't fooling anyone but myself and I was hurting. So I finished graduate school and I moved back home with family. And when I moved back home with family, I kept it up. I kept up the same routine, you know, living in this facade. And it just wasn't getting any better. Then I woke up one random day and I had this eye infection. And this was very strange because I went to bed the night before and I felt fine. My face didn't feel irritated. So I was going to run to the emergency room, but on my way in this process, I had a conversation with my aunt and she was like, you're going to be fine. It's just a sign. It'll go away in a few days. I said, nope, I'm about to die is how I looked at it. So I got in the car and I could hear her voice saying, you're going to be fine. So I called my insurance company and asked for suggestions. Well, they said, it sounds like you should just go see an optometrist and let them help you. So at this point, we're Again, we're living in a large metropolitan city in the South. And the lady asked me, she says, what's the radius that you want of your house of optometry? So I said, you can send me 50 miles. Being very naive, I'm 25 years old at this point. So she sends me eight pages of optometrists. 
Now, each page had about 100 doctors. <laughs> well, I was like, ma'am, who am I supposed to call? She said, I can't tell you who to call. So I randomly chose a doctor on there. And to get through the point of it, this is how I know how God works. I chose a doctor off of that list. I went and saw that doctor. That doctor referred me to F.A. That doctor referred me to F.A. So I'm sitting in there in his office and he's going over my medical history with me. And he says, young man, do you want to live to see 40 years old? And that wasn't the first time I heard someone say that benchmark to me, the age of 40 years old. I had a conversation with a mentor when I was before I went to college and he asked me, he said, how many men do you know? over 40 years old, that's 300 pounds. And that stuck with me from that conversation. So I was sold based on how he gave it to me. He said, this program is free. And if you do it, you're guaranteed to lose weight. And I naturally got in my car and I was calling the number on the paper and the person picked up and she said, there's a meeting today. I went to my first meeting that night now i don't remember what the meeting was about i just remember someone standing up at the break saying i can get you started and it's, it's you know it's all great how god works because when i went to the the person that was available to sponsor she told me flat out i normally don't sponsor meals but you know what i will get you started and i began to change so what happened is that I got serious about my life at that point. I didn't go out and have some final binge meal. I called her the next day. She told me the food items to get, and I started this program on Saturday, May 31st, 2014. And I've been here ever since. Now, I have not been perfect over this time. I've been in program, and I didn't say this in the beginning, I've been in the program since May of 2014. I've been absent for over six and a half years, back to back. And my starting weight was 337 pounds. I'm now 174 pounds. So what's life like now? I have a life of gratitude today. Like I love the life that I live. It's, it's filled with joy, it's filled with happiness and it's filled with service. You know, this program has helped me to evolve into the person I'm supposed to be. So in the fellowship that I came into the program, those ladies whipped me into shape. They helped me. And it was majority women in that fellowship. And it was hard. It was hard coming as a young black male in a room full of women. And that's how it was. But one thing was consistent is that I knew they had what I wanted, which was peace, serenity, and love in their lives. And I wanted that because I didn't have any internal peace in myself. And I was like, that is enough. And I thought, you know, in the beginning, like I was attracted to that, that weight loss. Yeah, that was cool. But what I was really yearning for is the thing that I could not express in words at that time is was the peace that I saw in their lives was the clarity was this relationship with a higher power. That's what I gained from being in the program. And it has helped me to 
live a life today where not only am I able to walk clearly a path and have a life of God, but I'm also in a place where I can show up for other people. So when I'm smiling today, it's sincere. When I show up in a room full of people and I can make them smile and laugh, it's because I'm taking care of myself. You know, the most important thing that happened to me was living a life of integrity. I didn't have that before. Now, I feel that I have that. You know, that health and physical education degree I have, I live that. I live that life today. I live a life of fitness. And my program of recovery keeps me balanced because I don't overdo it. I incorporated those things that I learned in my education into my life, but my recovery keeps me balanced. So I can do it, but nothing exceeds me keeping my abstinence first. I will put exercise down if it ever encounters me standard in, in my recovery, because my recovery is what keeps me at a life of that I never want to get rid of. I am a better son today. I've learned how to get through resentments um, against my mom that I had for years. Um, I held on to many things. Like I said, I grew up in a single parent home and had resentments towards my mom. It's a whole backstory on why my father wasn't in my life. And I walked through that process in these rooms. I walked through some very ugly things. I didn't get missed by COVID. COVID hit me really hard. And I was in the emergency room and I see you for about 14 days. But what kept me strong and what saved my life is this program. Being in the hospital and being on a virtual format, I was able to get on meeting and see smiling faces. It gave me hope. It gave me strength that I can come out of it. And it did. It helped me to like, you know what? I'm going to fight this by any means necessary because I still have a purpose here today. And it's helped me through other things in life as well. I've gotten married in program. I've also got divorced in program. And um, I've been able to stay absent through it all. So being in recovery doesn't negate the fact that you're going to go through difficult things in life, but it helps you to walk through it and not use food. And that's what I've learned, how to live a practical life where food is not the solution. So little by slow, I'm getting better every single day. And it's only because of the work that I'm willing to do here. I have to do the hard work. It's not easy sometimes, but it's worth it. Because when I come, when I reflect and look at where I come from over time, all I see is that I'm only getting better as long as I keep God first. My life is contingent upon my spiritual condition. And I keep that first by any means necessary. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.